0: That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles, welcome to all my listeners out there in radio land. I'm Dave, the caregiver's caregiver at caregiverdave.com. Also coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on numerous syndicated radio and podcast networks. On 26 global audio and video platforms as well. iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, oh, so many more. In fact, we're voted number one caregiver podcast on Feedspot. And number two, Caregiver Podcast on Player FM, and number two on CaringVillage.com. And we have an especially exciting show planned for you today. Cathay Retta has a BA in music, a 37-year career in adult literacy, spanning local, statewide, and national levels, and a lifetime of co-ministry with her late husband, David. I like that name. Never met a man named David I didn't like. And she was her his <laughs> caregiver. In the last four years of his life, Uh, her greatest strength and passion is writing life's experiences and observations into relatable lessons for her readers. Those observations currently come from the Pacific Northwest, where she now lives. And this year, she published Keep Walking, Your Heart Will Catch Up. Great title. The story of her pilgrimage on the Camino de Santiago in Spain after her husband passed away. But before we get started, let me take this moment and thank my last week's guest. David Combs is a songwriter, entrepreneur, successful business executive, and over the past four decades has written over 120 songs. Just a reminder, that you, a reminder that you can watch or listen to this interview and all our interviews on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of our other 26 global platforms that I mentioned. All right, enough of that. Cathay, welcome to the Caregiver Dave show. We're so excited to have you on. Thank
1: you, Dave. I'm real excited to be here.
0: (laughs) Oh, good. Now, we always like to ask our guests, uh, who is Cathay Retta and why was she placed on this earth?
1: I've heard you ask that of your guests, and that's probably the scariest question because I'm still figuring it out, but I think I have it down now. You know, I've been shy all of my life and had a really hard time expressing myself, and it was just very quiet, but writing was also a always a great outlet for me, and I do a lot of writing, both uh, professionally when I worked in adult literacy, and then just for myself and journals, but I'm starting, I'm coming to realize that more than that, that I can speak and express myself also, just really finally now in my 60s, getting a sense of who I am, and the purpose I have here on this earth is sharing with others and encouraging others in their life.
0: Wow, great answer. Now, you're a caregiver, right? So how is it that you first became a caregiver?
1: Okay, uh, well, I'm not any longer, but I first uh, my husband and I helped his mother when she had cancer in her later years. Then we were caregivers together with, uh, for his father who had dementia, and uh, then he wow. passed away. And then come 16 years later, my husband mm. had a stroke. And so I entered that role again, and that was a real roller coaster. He had a stroke one month, a heart oh, attack oh. the next, and another stroke the third month. Wow. And for four years, that just kind of carried on. So that became my life.
0: I'm so it. sorry. Wow. But it's, it's all over now. You are it a is. former caregiver, <laughs> and uh-huh. now you have your life back.
1: Yeah, and I'm learning, <sighs> you know, I've learned to embrace those caregiving years. I never thought I would say this, but
0: I know you know I can it's look like back on it no,
1: <laughs> I don't want to go there again, but there's <laughs> some there were some wonderful and <clears throat> moments out of that and learning to get through it. Um, you know, and I know your audience, some of them are going through that now, but there's uh, life is wonderful and I think we're very resilient creatures. And my hope is just that everyone can find a way to really dig in and get to know yourself. And be yeah. that self, regardless of the situation you're in. So there's a lot of hope there also.
0: Yeah, I have a similar story because I'm caregiver to my wife for 25 years. But then my mother came down with dementia and I was also her caregiver. Then my mother-in-law came down with dementia, also hers. And now my aunt, which was my mother's sister, oh. uh, just came down with dementia. So uh, talk about deja vu. But my wife is still around after 25 years of, of stroke. She just reinvented herself, and now she does everything she did before with one arm and one leg tied behind her back, and, and she's pretty amazing. Makes wow. us normal people look like whiners and complainers. She's an overachiever. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I applaud her, and you also, and the life you've developed together. <laughs> it's a real inspiration.
0: I think she's going to outlive us all. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, we, you know, we talk about caregiver burnout a lot. Um, I don't know if you ever uh, suffered burnout. I'm sure you did, caring for all those people, especially your husband, where he just kept having issue after issue after issue mm-hmm. in, uh, in a four-year period. What sustained you through all that experience, and how did you deal with burnout? How did you get out of it?
1: Wow. <laughs> A lot of what sustained me was just that relationship we had. We've been married 33 years, and all that investment and what we worked through together was real powerful and helpful. And, you know, then something real tangible that helped um, when we really needed to have someone to come in and help us, and we didn't have money to pay for that. And so at someone's suggestion, we and bartered for someone to come in and live with us and help me take care of David. Mm. And my first, I was so against that. I, thought, I don't want a stranger living in my house. I, you know, it's just and
0: board in exchange for caregiving.
1: That's what we gave him room and board in exchange. And we, this wonderful young man came into our lives. He was the EMT. And so he worked mm. driving ambulance around in the evening and wow. Get home sleep. And then when I went to work, he got up and he was an excellent caregiver. And more than that, he became part of our family. He just fit right in. He was so comfortable to be with. And I still have a relationship with him now. So that was a tremendous help.
0: How young was he? Uh
1: 28.
0: Okay. Yeah. So he'd already been through school and all that. Also, uh you could find college students too, you know, who are really mature. And uh, you know, helping him get through college, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so, three years after your husband died, you walked the Camino del Santiago in Spain. What were you thinking, and why did you do that? And what is it?
1: <laughs> I know. Mean, well, yeah. a couple things. Uh, one, Are you Spanish.
0: Was, uh, first of no, all?
1: but I do speak Spanish because I lived when I was single. I lived in Guadalajara for a short mm-hmm. time with a family who didn't speak English, so I learned Spanish there. But um, so a couple of years after David had passed away, I was 64, thinking I should do something big for my 65th birthday. And so the idea of the Camino came to mind. I had friends who had walked it. You were now, still a is, good
0: walker, huh? Nothing hurt?
1: No, I w- I had... Still been a sedentary person. I had not walked for a long time. But I had that year from the time I decided to walk it. So I started walking and trying to train and kind of overdid it. So by the time I went, I had damaged my heels, (laughs) but I went in and you damaged
0: something. (laughs) I don't think I could do it anymore. Maybe when I was fifty something.
1: Um, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful trail. It's 400, the one I did, it's called the French Way. It's 483 miles across northern Spain. Wow. And it's, um, pilgrims have been walking that trail for hundreds of years. And it's very established. And there's places to stay all along the way, hostels. And the year I walked it, almost 350,000 people from around the world had been on the trail that year.
0: Wow. That 's almost like walking the uh, the Camino from Los Angeles to san francisco
1: i've heard about that
0: you know del I, del i can 't remember what exactly it's called, but they got little signs yeah uh, anyway, so I assume it's all scenic stuff, and you've had some interesting experiences. How many weeks, months or do yeah, not i don 't I don't think it was years. Uh, how long did you do it for? <laughs>
1: You know, I was on it for 37 days, and I walked okay. 251 miles of the 483.
0: Wow. So how much is that a day?
1: You know, most people walk 12 to 16 miles a day. I was doing six to nine. A couple times I did 13 okay. miles, um, but just I was concerned with that heel damage. But I didn't you want should to
0: have uh, transferred to a bicycle.
1: You know, a lot of people bicycle it.
0: Yeah. But, I oh, bicycle That would, it would be too. hard for me.
1: I've watched them going up hills. There's a lot of hills on that camino, <laughs> and I just marvel at these people on the bicycle.
0: So, so, was this therapeutic for you?
1: It was very healing, and I didn't expect that to be. I thought this is a good place to figure out what to do with my next thirty years. And uh, so, 30 I days
0: for thirty years, huh? <laughs> Yeah, Did it I work? expected
1: a mental activity. I mean, you have no distractions. You're going to walk every day. There's <laughs> no questions, decisions to make. You're going to get up and walk. Um, but it was a spiritual workout. It was very emotional.
0: Did you have friends and family to tell you were crazy? What are you What are you doing that for? Hmm. Mm. Sure.
1: Yeah. Some really concerned for me and some saying, why don't you wait till next year when you're not having the heel pain, it'll be better. And I I know that was practical, but something inside me, I just knew, no, I have to go now. I don't know why I have to go. And it started to unravel for me the very first night. I was there sitting in a centuries-old church building on a wooden bench in the back, and I'm sitting there quietly, and inside, I hear the word absolution. I thought, okay, I know traditionally that pilgrims would do this walk to get absolution. You know, the church would give them forgiveness, but that's not what I'm about. I don't need that. I'm good with God. And then I heard that voice say to me, yes, you need absolution to yourself, from yourself. And that kind of set in, and that's part of what it turned out to be. I kind of got in touch with myself that I'd lost along the way. Uh, I came to forgive myself. Came to forgive my husband for dying and leaving me, mm. which I thought, you know, why should I didn't feel any ill against him. But I knew, again, in my spirit, I had to forgive him. And when I did a big something was lifted from me and I just felt lighter.
0: Well, so was that what you were looking for?
1: Um, well, I was looking to for feel to lighter
0: and me. have something lifted from you.
1: Yeah, but I didn't know I needed that when I was oh. going. What in was general. your
0: motive for going?
1: I, to, figure to figure out what out. to do
0: and my next 30 years. Did you years. Figure it out also? Yeah,
1: I figured out. I already knew. I just needed the courage to do it. Oh. And that's to do what I'm doing now, writing and speaking and oh. being an encourager. Um, I've known that all my life, but I had never done it. I just held back.
0: It takes courage, doesn't it?
1: It does. It does. You know, and another great thing that happened to me is the second day I was checking into a hostel, Um And I started to tell the host about my husband that he had died. That's why I'm walking to Santiago. And I just got as far as saying my husband, and I just started sobbing. And again, that shocked me. I was well past that. I didn't expect it. I didn't feel it. And I realized from that moment that I had suppressed grief and sorrow. I hadn't worked through the process. And so that was a lot of the trip also coming to terms with that. And it was beautiful, And what really touches me is that after I got home, I was looking at some of my pictures from the trip, and I saw two of them where my head was like thrown back in laughter. And I thought, I've not seen myself like that. Who is that girl? And uh, later, I heard uh, through the work of Brene Brown on a podcast, she was sharing that our emotions, when we suppress emotions, we don't get to pick which ones. So you, maybe you want to suppress sorrow and grief. But when okay. you do that, then you're also suppressing joy and happiness. And I, that really made sense to me. And I realized that as I was able to release a lot of this, again, some joy came back in and the lightness. And it was a very healing thing.
0: So did you learn uh, any other lessons that you weren't expecting?
1: Yeah, a lot of them. <laughs> and one <laughs> of them probably... Um, Another really big one is to learn to love myself. Uh,
0: and I didn't know I
1: needed to learn that, but on uh, one of the lowest points, which I hate to talk about, but I got bed bugs. Oh, that's not common on the commute. I mean, that can happen anywhere in the world, but I happened to get it. And I was just at the end of my rope. I wanted to go home. I'd washed my clothes all day and I was laying in the bunk. And then this gentleman came in, uh, Patrick, he's from the UK. He said, how's your day going? And I told him, I got bed bugs and I just want to go home. I want to quit. And uh, he was very sweet. He consoled me and kind of helped me out of that funk. And we walked around this town. And then in the middle of that walk, he turned and said to me, you're on this Camino to learn to fall in love with yourself again. And I knew that was true. I knew it was. And I don't know what it is, how it is, come to fall in love with yourself again, but that walk. Did that for me. Wow.
0: Well, where did you sleep that you got bed bugs?
1: <laughs> oh, I slept at different hostels. So, you know, there's what, like. Now,
0: for those who don't know what a hostel is, uh, explain.
1: Yeah. Um, well, a lot of them, um, oh. it's low, low charge or sometimes free. You just make a donation for um, where you're going to stay. And there's like these rows of beds or bunk beds. Mm-hmm. And you bring your own sleeping bag. Or I used a sleeping bag liner um, and put it on there. And you're packed in sometimes pretty tight with people, maybe, you know, this far wow. away from the person next to you. Uh, and so that's where you sleep. So that's where I did wow. sometimes. A few times I splurged and got a hotel. That um, felt very different. <laughs> so it was a variety of things. And all along the way, Because it was hard. I kept saying, why am I doing this? I want to figure out what to do with my life. Why don't I go to a hotel and sit by the pool for two weeks and I can figure it out there? (laughs) uh, It wouldn't have been the same. And I wouldn't have gotten the answers I got. I'm sure of
0: that. So why did you write the book and what do you hope people will get out of it?
1: Uh, I wrote the book as part of, a, again, a continuation of that healing experience for me. And also, I'm convinced, I know that I'm not the only one who has these types of experiences and what uh-huh. I've gone through, that hundreds of other people are experiencing the same thing. And if they can benefit from something that I've uh, walked through and something I've learned, I want to share that. And I just felt I needed to get out there, that word out there. Um to help encourage others, maybe they would find that themselves in it.
0: It's an interesting title. How did you come up with that?
1: Uh, that's a thought that came to me one day while walking. Yeah.
0: Like
1: I said those first weeks, I just wanted to quit all the time. and uh, But what can you do? You're there, so you just keep walking. And that's why I said to myself, keep walking, your heart will catch up. And so you just... Keep taking those steps, and it finally did. It ended up the last weeks were just a glorious time, and I think about that. And I said that to myself many times since then, or to other people. When you're going through difficult situations, like keep walking, keep moving, and yeah. you know, for caregivers, whatever they're going through, just keep moving. Your heart will catch up.
0: Well, it's different if you were doing it in this country or the state. If you're in a foreign country, uh, you know, it's not like you can just. Go home. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's right. Um, yeah. So that's why you have to keep walking. What are you going to do? Um, although some people do quit and go home early or go do yeah. something else. But I think, partic- particularly with this trail, it's been walked for years. So there's structure where every, you know, four or five miles, for the most part, there's a little town or a hamlet. Um, with services and support, and the people all along the way love the pilgrims Mm -hmm. that come through and are very giving and supportive, and there's some sort of spiritual atmosphere. Um, They say it's kind of mystical, and I believe that, where there's just a caring, where you can meet strangers from other parts of the world, and you're sharing your deepest parts of your life just instantly, things we wouldn't do back
0: home. So this road has a reputation for healing, and people doing this for like how many years? Hundreds of years, dozens of years.
1: Yeah, uh, hundreds of years. In really? the ninth century is when um, even they before found the they
0: rem- had cars, huh?
1: Right. Uh, the ninth century, they found the remains of James, the um, the disciple of Jesus. Really? And so they say he's buried in Santiago, that city in Spain, and that's why there's a pilgrimage going to that place. Huh. So from the tenth, eleventh century. People have been walking it, but they also say that even before that, it was an old ancient Celtic uh, walk and people have walked it. They say it follows the Milky Way, the stars. Mm-hmm. And um, some people say there's the ley lines where there's this extra energy in the earth and that it follows that path. And so I don't know much about all that, but I, I think it just may be true. I've talked with too many people who had just these wonderful um, healing experiences along the way. And a lot of it's finding yourself.
0: Wow. Well. well, if somebody is physically unable to go walking, what would you recommend for them? Uh, if they want to have a similar experience as you and they don't have the money to fly to uh, Santiago.
1: Wow. that you know, I think if you can, f- the best thing, well, let me just say real quick, you know, there is someone who pushed his friend in a wheelchair, the full Camino. And yep. they've, made a movie and documentary, wrote a book about it, which that's really impressive to me. So anything's possible, but I think the real key is getting to know yourself. Um, What I found out about me is there's a lot of um, like lies we put over ourselves Mm -hmm. that we believe because it's the easier way to go and not really get down to know who we really are and what we really desire, what we want. So any way you can get into a place to be honest with yourself, and not try to cover it up, not act like you think you're supposed to act. You know, like after my husband passed away, I was so strong. I was a role model. Look at her. She's just mm-hmm. strong. And I realized that wasn't such a strength. You know, that was that was foolishness. I should have just broke down and gotten the grief out then. So I think the number one thing is be honest with yourself. Take some time to meditate and just be quiet and listen to your spirits. We do have that voice within us that will guide you and show you what to do.
0: So this whole thing is a grief process. Uh, would you say you were grieving during the entire walk going through the different phases? You know, there's denial, there's anger, there's depression, etc. cetera.
1: No, I don't think so necessarily during the entire walk. I think the grief is what broke it open. That kind of opened that shell I had over me that was, you know, closed so tight that I could kind of get to my heart and my soul and what it was trying to express and essence, finding out who I am. So that was a piece of it, but that's what started to unravel it. And then I could see more and and learn to forgive myself. So it wasn't just grief over losing David. And also early on at the beginning, I realized I didn't just lose David, I lost half of myself. Mm. And there was this big hole, which I hadn't considered before. So a part of it was finding that and filling me, finding me again was the real thing. So it started with the grief process and ended with um, just coming to be honest with myself and true to be me.
0: Did you expect to write a book? Did you think you could write a book? Was it a surprise to you?
1: Um, I wasn't surprised. I didn't go into it saying, okay, I'm going to do this and write a book. But again, because I've liked to write all of my life and I've done a lot of writing, um, I've, kept journals and written a lot. So it was very natural. So of course, when I got back, so okay, well, I'm going to just start writing this. And it came together as I was.
0: Um, well, that's part of the healing process, isn't it? Writing, journaling, getting it out of you and onto the page and then helping the world, so to speak.
1: Mm-hmm. I believe it is. There's something really magical or special about if you mm-hmm. write it down. When you write it down, it's more likely to happen. If you have goals, write them down and they'll yeah. come together
0: well, i I can't believe you did this. So you're an amazing woman, and uh, you're not a quitter. You are a role model, and um, I think a lot of caregivers are encouraged by what you're doing, and maybe some of them you encourage to do likewise. and maybe some of them uh, you know maybe need to read the read the book and maybe they can uh, feel a little more encouraged and have the courage. To do what you did, because it takes courage, doesn't it?
1: Mm-hmm, to do what I did or whatever it is they know within them that they're called to
0: sure. do. Wow. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I can't believe how fast time flies when we're having fun. <laughs> but uh, I wanted just to remind everyone that all of our live shows become recorded podcasts and video casts on all the platforms that I mentioned above, you know, like YouTube and Blog Talk Radio, Podbean, many, many others. But uh, also, it's on our membership website, caregiverdave.com, which is a free membership support community group with lots of tools and resources and free gifts. And uh, if you're watching this on a platform, please click the like button at the bottom just so that the algorithms can move it on to other people and more people can can be blessed by these uh, shows. And so I want to thank you again um, for coming on the show, Cathay. And I want to thank all my listeners for coming in and tuning in week after week. So uh, thank you again, and uh, we will see you next time. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you, Dave. Bye-bye.
0: We are a community of caregivers that understands and supports you wherever you are in your journey. We are a place to connect with other caregivers, but more importantly, a place to get practical, actionable help. There are lots of ways for you to get support. First of all, you can download our Welcome Pack. This will get you started on your Thrive journey. Next, you can ask and get answers to your questions by posting them here in our private Facebook groups. You can also get live online support by attending one of our live Weekly Connect webinars. You can get practical, actionable advice by listening to our weekly podcast. You can hear and read other stories about other caregivers' experiences. Plus, add your own in our weekly Share Your Story forum, posted every Tuesday in the Facebook group. You can access essential resources and download practical Thrive Solutions Packs, all of which are geared to help you thrive as a caregiver. You can get lifetime access to all of our resources. Again, we're here to support you and help you thrive. And to enjoy your life as a caregiver. And remember, this is a place to get hope, not just cope. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing. Uh.